It is November 28th, 2022, and welcome to episode 155 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Bibi Netanyahu will return to lead his sixth government as the state of Israel's prime minister. He's 73 years old, which makes him younger and more energetic than American leaders. Uh, but he's also going to be the longest tenured prime minister in Israeli history. His new coalition will include ultranationalist parties, some of whom are of stated concern to the Biden administration, which is seeking smoother relations with Palestinians. The Biden administration has enhanced its outreach to Palestinians and appointed a new representative for Palestinian affairs, Hadi Amr, who will be based in Washington, not in Jerusalem. To make things even more complicated, Netanyahu's in the middle of a corruption-related legal battle in Israel. Meanwhile, twin terror attacks last weekend in Jerusalem killed a young Canadian student and wounded 22 others. So, Bibi Netanyahu's coming back at a time of increased tension. Uh, the overall issue of Arab-Israeli relations is becoming hotter and hotter. What do we think of the meaning of Bibi Netanyahu coming back on the scene? Jamil. Well, look, I mean, obviously, Les, it's a, it's a big deal with Bibi back. He's got this corruption investigation going on, as you point out. Um, the heightened tensions are a real thing. Um, and and you're right. Uh, the Biden administration is not loving the fact they've got a deal with Bibi. Because as, you, as you've always told us about Bibi, you know, he's uh, he's a smart political operator, right? He knows to go uh, to Capitol Hill. He knows how to work the American system. He's spoke before Congress a number of times. He's likely to go around the Biden administration if and when he feels the need to. Um, and, you know, with the administration still playing footsie with Iran and the Iran deal, um, notwithstanding the way they're treating their own people and the Iran protests we talked about a few weeks ago, um, you know, I think this could be a flare up. And, and look, with, with some of the parties uh, that Bibi's uh, building his coalition, you know, the Yair Lapid coalition itself that came uh, before this one itself had its own interesting dynamics with the Arab parties plus the at-home party. Um, and yet this uh, this coalition that Bibi is likely to put together, if he's able to form a government, um, is is going to be pretty strident. Um, and the Temple Mount is an issue that, you know, Shas and these other parties are going to, you know, are going to need to deal with. And so we'll we'll see how this plays out. But uh, this could be a uh, a flare up uh, moment for the for a regional world. It's been relatively quiet uh, since the Trump administration's uh, negotiation of the uh of the Abraham Accords. To Jamil's point about seeing how this plays out, I think, you know, we're kind of in a moment of TBD, right? So he, you know, as Jamil, unless you pointed out, um, Netanyahu, you know, he sees himself as a world leader, a savant statesman, and he doesn't have an overwhelming majority in, in Congress, right? You see a, a Congress that isn't um, going to be as re Republican. So I don't think, you know, he's returning the world stage. There's a corruption trial happening. You know, he probably wants a visit to the White House. He doesn't want to be ostracized by the Biden administration. I think we do have to wait to see to play out, who, you know, who gets appointed in his government um, and to see, you know, what is the next step. I, I I, don't see him being too bold and trying to pick a fight with Biden out of the gates right now, considering where he is. I just think that's interesting because I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's right. I mean, I, I, that's at least not the BB that I've seen, right? The BB I've seen has always been the like, let's go pick a fight now. Let's go. I mean, not that he necessarily wants to pick a fight, but like, let's be ready for a fight and ready to engage it if I need to. And I don't think he trusts the Biden people. I don't think he trusted uh, the Obama people. He saw them up front close. He thinks it's the same team. I don't think he's into it. I think he's ready to brawl, uh, frankly. Um, and uh, look, I could be wrong, but that's my that's my gut instinct on it. I don't know. Before, uh, you know, we were chatting about the Abraham Accords, right? I mean, he's, I'll just say father in quotes, you know, he's one of the fathers of the Abraham Accords. I mean, 
what good does it do him to unravel a deal he put together? You see Israel closer ties with its Arab neighbors. You know, there's some trade deals. I mean, why would he blow that up? Like, what, what's to gain from that development? Uh, Jones, I'm, I'm going to agree with Jamil on this one. At the, at the end yes. of the Obama administration, as the Iran nuclear deal was being rolled out, Bibi talked himself into a, a joint addressing a joint session of Congress. He worked with uh, Speaker Boehner at the time to give an address. It outraged the Obama administration. They were livid. They are livid to this day. A year later, as the Obama administration was was ending, as in fact, as it was a lame duck, they engineered a U.N. security resolution uh, a UN Security Council resolution condemning Israel basically because Netanyahu had the temerity to address Congress over Obama's objections. Many of those folks are the same people who are working now in the Biden administration. And, and yes, there are these like little subtle steps where they're, they're trying to make it look like everything's going to be nice. Uh, Bibi's likely to appoint people to certain positions so that they won't inflame the, uh, you know, excessively inflamed the Biden administration. Chuck Schumer's out there saying nice things about BB. All of that is true. Meanwhile, this thing is going to blow up much sooner than people think because BB Netanyahu's just got a very different approach to the Middle East and to the security of the state of Israel than the Biden administration does. So I think, I think we're going to th- see things get pretty hot pretty fast. Yeah. BB, BB is the honey badger. Uh, BB don't care. <laughs> he's going to do what he's going to do. He's ready to go toe to toe. Like I just don't see this plan out well for anyone. Um, and look, I mean, the Israelis have, 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 have picked their, their, have picked their poison. Um, Bibi is a well-loved leader um, throughout Israel, but he's a polarizing figure in Israel. So no surprise, he's a polarizing figure um, in uh, in uh, in DC and, and and the rest of the world. So we're going to see this play out. But look, the last the last X number of times Bibi's been on office, um, you know, he's been fairly successful in office. Let's be candid. I mean, so and they've had how many governments less in the last in the last like few months? I mean, it's been it's been a train wreck. So if he can hold it together, uh, good for him. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm always the ever optimist, right? He gave uh, an interview last month. I mean, the idea of them, Israel's showing greater support for Ukraine, maybe uh, to your point, you guys are going to be clearly very skeptical of that. But I hold out little hope that perhaps there are some positive developments. And, you know, what worries me is the growing partisanship over the issue of the support of Israel generally, right? Um, and that it's it seems closer ties between Republicans and Israel and the Democrats seem, you know, the um, optically seem a little bit further from support. So what does that mean for, you know, the U.S. policymaking moving forward? What does that mean for support of Israel in general and the future? I mean, like that's, I think that's an issue we also have to look at. Well, I think, I think there's going to be some real interesting dynamics in Congress, even though Republicans have a really thin majority in the House. They still can set the agenda. They can still invite Bibi to come address a joint session if they want to. They can, they can do provocative things. They can't really pass anything in the law, but they can do provocative things. And they're going to be happy to do those things. Also, Democrats being in the minority in the House, the progressive wing, which is very skeptical of Bibi Netanyahu, will also feel empowered to kind of say what they really think be highly critical. And if things do end up flaring up between Israelis and Palestinians, we can expect there to be like all this, this chitter chatter is going to go right to the front page and right to the, you know, the t- most trending topics on Twitter, assuming Twitter is still around. Uh, <laughs> ha ha. Uh, so I think, I think we're, I think we're looking at, um, we're going to all be paying a lot more attention to Middle East issues. All right. That is a wrap. Thanks to Gabriel Otis from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday for another episode of Fault Lines, the podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America.